In a conversation with my wife, we remembered a woman of our acquaintance who was a young lady 30 years ago. She cast off the Lord Jesus Christ and her devoted Christian husband to seek a life of adultery and debauchery. Today she is nearly 60 years old. She pursued her pleasures for a season, but now her day will soon end. Her beauty is gone. Her youth is gone. The question for her is, now what? Looking back on 30 years is like the snap of the fingers. For young readers, this is similar to looking back on 30 days. Brother James writes in James 4.14, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. It's true. She can return to the Lord Jesus Christ and be forgiven for her wanton ways. But if not, now what? Have you considered the very shortness of your life? Have you considered your ways? If you haven't, it's time to repent of your sins and seek the Lord Jesus Christ while he may be found, or the unfortunate question for you will be, now what? Click on the Further with Jesus Now for instructions about entering into the kingdom of God now for today's subject. God said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, according to evolutionary biologist Ernst Mayer, no educated person any longer questions the validity of the so-called theory of evolution, which we now know to be a simple fact. Now the record. A suggestion, or should I say directive, was issued to the champions of evolution by one of their spokesmen to avoid debating creationists in public forums. The assessment was that the reason evolutionists generally lose in the court of popular opinion is because the general population is not educated enough to understand the great wisdom of their rhetoric. A recent Gallup poll found that one-third of America does not believe that evidence supports Darwin. Nearly half, 45%, believe we live on a young earth which is less than 10,000 years old and also actually believe that God created humans. Only one-third of America believes the Darwinian dogma. With all the colossal support this foolish theory has enjoyed in classrooms taught exclusively as the way it all began, with mainstream print and electronic media giving their 100% allegiance to its tenets, it's no surprise the evolutionists are frustrated at their lack of success. Evolution is a fool's thesis couched in the shadows of convoluted words and ideas laden with circular reasoning and untenable theories. On this site is a subject titled, Evolution is Dead, They Just Forgot to Bury the Corpse. When you get a moment, click on it and review the information. The following three excerpts are from that feature. As Science Digest reported, scientists who utterly reject evolution may be one of our fastest-growing controversial minorities. Many of the scientists supporting this position hold impressive credentials in science. Author Koisler, he's a writer. In the meantime, the educated public continues to believe that Darwin has provided all the relevant answers by the magic formula of random mutations plus natural selection, quite unaware of the fact that random mutations turned out to be irrelevant and natural selection a tautology. Colin Patterson, who at the time of this writing was senior paleontologist of the British Museum of Natural History in London. The following quote was taken from a speech given by Dr. Patterson in New York City in 1989. Last year I had a sudden realization 
for over 20 years, I had thought I was working on evolution in some way. One morning I woke up and something had happened in the night, and it struck me that I had been working on this stuff for 20 years, and there was not one thing I knew about it. That's quite a shock to learn that one can be so misled so long. Either there was something wrong with me, or there was something wrong with evolutionary theory. Naturally, I know there's nothing wrong with me, so the last few weeks I've tried putting a simple question to various people and groups of people. Question is, can you tell me anything you know about evolution? Any one thing, any one thing that is true. I tried that question on the geology staff at the Field Museum of Natural History, and the only answer I got was silence. I tried it on the members of the Evolutionary Morphology Seminar in the University of Chicago, a very prestigious body of evolutionists, and all I got there was silence for a long time, and eventually one person said, I do know one thing, it ought not to be taught in high school. It's not just the general uneducated population having problems with evolution. The following message is from Lee Strobel's book, The Case for a Creator. There was 100 of them, biologists, chemists, zoologists, physicists, anthropologists, molecular and cell biologists, bioengineers, organic chemists, geologists, astrophysicists, and other scientists. Their doctorates came from such prestigious universities as Cambridge, Stanford, Cornell, Yale, Rutgers, Chicago, Princeton, Purdue, Duke, Michigan, Syracuse, Temple, and Berkeley. They included professors from Yale Graduate School, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Tulane, Rice, Emory, George Mason, Lehigh, and the universities of California, Washington, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ohio, Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Georgia, New Mexico, Utah, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere. Among them was the director of the Center for Computational Quantum Chemistry and scientist at the Plasma Physics Lab at Princeton, the National Museum of Natural History at the Smithsonian Institute, the Los Alamos National Laboratory, and the Lawrence Livermore Laboratories. And they wanted the world to know one thing. They are skeptical. After spokespersons for the public broadcasting system, seven-part television series Evolution asserted that all known scientific evidence supports Darwinian evolution, as does virtually every reputable scientist in the world. These professors, laboratory researchers, and other scientists published a two-page advertisement in a national magazine under the banner, A Scientific Descent from Darwinism. Their statement was direct and defiant. We are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. They said careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. These were not narrow-minded fundamentalists or rabid religious fanatics, just respected world-class scientists like Nobel nominee Henry F. Schaefer, the third most cited chemist in the world, James Thor of Rice University's Center for Nanoscale Science and Technology, and Fred Figworth, Professor of Cellular and Molecular Physiology at Yale Graduate School. Together, despite the scepter of professional persecution, they broached the political incorrect opinion that the emperor of evolution has no clothes. End of quote. The advertisement referred to above was published in the Weekly Standard October 1, 2001. Arguably, the world's most educated people populate the field of medicine, and supporters of evolution, they are not. 
An article published by Business Wire, December 20, 2004, was a review of a national survey of 1,100 physicians. 74% of doctors believe that miracles have occurred. 73% believe they can occur today. 72% of American physicians believe religion provides a reliable and necessary guide to life. 58% attend worship services at least one time per month. 67% believe the Bible was inspired by God. 55% of doctors said they have seen treatment results in their patients that they would consider miraculous. 51% pray for their patients as a group. 59% pray for individual patients. 67% of America's physicians encourage their patients to pray. This survey was conducted by HCD, HCD excuse me, Research and the Lewis Finkelstein Institute of New York City. Newsweek's Claudia Kolb in the November 10, 2003 article titled Faith and Healing discussed spirituality and medicine and how America's universities are dealing with the issue. The following excerpt is from that article. More than half of the medical schools in the country now offer such courses up from just three a decade ago, largely because patients are demanding more spiritual care. According to a Newsweek poll, 72% of Americans say they would welcome a conversation with their physician about faith. The same numbers say they believe that praying to God can cure someone, even if science says the person doesn't stand a chance. On BeliefNet, a popular interfaith website, fully three-quarters of more than 35,000 online prayer circles are health-related. Patients, loved ones, as well as total strangers can log on and send prayers into the electronic ether, hoping to heal cancers, disabilities, chronic illness, and addiction. Popular practices like these, as well as the growing belief within the medical community that what happens in a person's mind and possibly soul can be as important to health as what happens on the cellular level, are leading many doctors to embrace the God they banished from the clinic long ago in favor of technological and pharmaceutical progress. All over the medical establishment, legitimate scientists are seeking the most ethical, effective ways to combine, to combine excuse me, patients' spiritual and religious beliefs with high-tech treatment. Former mutual fund tycoon Sir John Templeton spends as much as $30 million a year funding scientific projects that explore the nature of God. The Anatomy of Hope, a meditation on the effects of optimism and faith on health by New Yorker magazine medical writer Jerome Groupman, M.D., is coming out early next year. The National Institutes of Health plan to spend $3.5 million over the next several years on mind-body medicine. And this weekend, Harvard Medical School will hold a conference on spirituality and health, focusing on the healing effects of forgiveness. There's been a tremendous shift in the medical profession's openness to this topic, says Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neurologist at the University of Pennsylvania who is studying the biological effects of meditation and prayer on the brain. People like me are very intrigued by what we're seeing. It's not just the uneducated masses who reject Darwinism. According to Dr. Henry M. Morse, founder of ICR, the number of scientists holding credentials with postgraduate degrees who believe in the six-day creation and the global flood during the days of Noah computes into the thousands. Back to Genesis, a publication of the Institute for Creation Research, 
featured an interview with a molecular biologist conducted by George Kaler of the Lynchburg Leader. This molecular biologist, speaking on grounds of anonymity, is involved in identifying genetic controls for diseases. As you hear or read this short excerpt, the reason for his anonymity will be obvious. The letter G represents the interviewer, and letter J, the biologist. G. Do you believe that the information evolved? J. George, nobody I know in my profession believes it evolved. It was engineered by genius upon genius, and such information could not have been written any other way. The paper and ink did not write the book. Knowing what we know, it is ridiculous to think otherwise. G. Have you ever stated that in a public lecture or in any public writings? J. No, I just say it evolved. To be a, monecu- uh, excuse me, to be a, mon- a molecular biologist requires one to hold on to two insanities at all times. One, it would be insane to believe in evolution when you can see the truth for yourself. Two, it would be insane to say you don't believe in evolution. All government work, research grants, papers, big league lectures, everything would stop. I'd be out of a job or relegated to the outer fringes where I couldn't earn a decent living. G. I hate to say it, but that sounds intellectually dishonest. J. The work I do in genetic research is honorable. We will find the cures to many of mankind's worst diseases. But in the meantime, we have to live with the elephant in the living room. What elephant? J. Creation design. It's like an elephant in the living room. It moves around, takes up an enormous amount of space, loudly trumpets, bumps into us, knocks things over, eats a ton of hay, and smells like an elephant. And yet we have to swear it isn't there. Large blocks of the educated are rejecting this doctrine of fools, but the battle for the souls of men is so much more than the challenge of evolution. The real root of Satan's evil is revealed in his first appearance in the Garden of Eden when he said to our great-great-grandmother, Yea, hath God said? Is the majority text Bible God's word? Is it true and righteous altogether? Settle the battle for your own soul's sake. Believe God's word and find life, and life more abundantly. Find out from where you came. Find out why you're here. Find out where you'll spend eternity. Click on the Further with Jesus on this website and surrender your life to the King of Glory, lest the day in your life approaches when the final question posed to you is, Now what? God said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, according to evolutionary biologist Ernst Meyer, no educated person any longer questions the validity of the so-called theory of evolution, which we now know to be a simple fact. Now you have the record.